0: This is not Wayne Dorban. This is Bob Cristador filling in for Wayne, who is detained on a flight between Denver and Las Vegas. Uh, the flight's due to land momentarily, so he should be joining us. But in the meantime, it's my pleasure to introduce Mike Dillard to the e-community. And we're gonna spend a, lot, a few minutes talking about Mike and how he got to be connected to us and his, his personal history because I think it's important to understand where he came from to get to where he is today and how it fits into our community. So, Mike, welcome to the E community. And if you would just introduce yourself, give us the 30 second elevator speech.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Bob, appreciate it. And uh, I got to meet, meet Wayne through uh, a community that we have recently. So that's been awesome to, to get to know y'all and your organization and what you're doing. Um, I'm 45 years old. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. I live about an hour outside of Austin, Texas, uh, where about two years ago, we moved into a a ranch property that we, we have taken off the grid. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to talking about business today, looking forward to talking about what's going on in the world and, uh, how, you know, my family and I are adjusting to these changes and preparing for these changes, um, in every way that you can think of from, uh, the land that we live on, the home that we that we have, um, and the way that we invest our money, and the way that we have pivoted our businesses, and everything in between. So
0: preparedness appears to be the theme here, and I'm curious how you got to the point where you felt you needed to be as prepared as you currently are.
1: Yeah, you know, for me. I've always had an ability to look out into the future and and kind of see trends before they arrive. And that's been really the secret to my success as an entrepreneur. Um, And that's always been a skill that I've applied to to an investing uh, standpoint as well. And so what actually brought me to this was back in 2006, 2007, uh, I started really getting into financial education. I started to learn about the global economy and how the banking system works, and uh, lo and behold, the market crashed in 07, 08. And a big part of the education I received was a book that you all are probably familiar with because it's gotten very popular over the last two years called The Fourth Turning. And if you're not familiar with The Fourth Turning, this is a a fantastic book that was written, I think, in 1994, 1995 by two scientists that wanted to answer uh, a question which was why does humanity tend to repeat these cycles over and over again of of you know going to war and then rebuilding and going to war and rebuilding and they approached it as scientists, not just uh, you know coming up with random theories and it 's a, a quite a meaty book um, a lot of numbers a lot of data, but the big takeaway from that book, which I read in I want to say two thousand six or two thousand seven, was the fact that humanity does, in fact, operate in 80 to 100-year cycles. They're divided into four seasons, uh, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And every winter season is basically the season of destruction. And that comes around for us about every 80 years. And they can go back thousands of years in history. And you can look at these cycles, and you can just see the writing on the wall, basically. And so when I read that book... Again, it was written in 1995, read it in 2007-ish. It said that the United States would enter its fourth turning season or winter season, I should say, in its fourth turning cycle um, around the year 2007 and that it would be kicked off. Hello?
0: you still here, keep going.
1: Oh, okay, I got a notice that the webinar had ended. Sorry about that. Um, That it would be kicked off with a financial crisis that would uh, involve real estate and that that would basically kick off the winter season for the U.S. and that it would climax around the year 2025. And the interesting part about every single winter season is that it always ends in war. And so America's first uh, winter season was the Revolutionary War against the British 80 to 81 years later, uh, we climaxed with our second winter season turning, which was the Revolutionary War. Almost exactly 80 to 81 years later, we climaxed with our third turning, which was the height of World War II. And now 80, roughly 80 years after that, uh, we're on track to climax in our fourth winter season turning right around 2025. And if war has been a part of each of those uh, climaxes of that winter season. It certainly seems that we are already at the beginning stages of that right now, Uh, obviously, with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and NATO uh, and what's going on with China. And so that book really opened my eyes to these bigger cycles. And they've allowed me to position my assets in a way to take advantage of these cycles. And now that I kind of see the writing on the wall, and it looks like this same pattern is gonna uh, is gonna take place again. It's very concerning because this is the first fourth turning, uh, excuse me, first winter season that has ever taken place in the history of mankind, uh, where there exists weapons of mass destruction, and so that's uh, a new piece of the puzzle that is obviously quite concerning. But our goal and what we're trying to help people do now is how do you weather these storms? Uh, so not only can you, you know, retain the, the wealth that you have, protect your family, protect your friends, protect your estate, um, but how can you turn them into an opportunity? And then what can we do as a collective and as, as a whole and as a nation to uh, end this cycle or at least change it so that we don't end up repeating it like, like we have in the past? And so that's kind of my focus uh, in life these days, and, and what our mission is about.
0: How does that differ from what you've been doing until the last, we'll call it, fifteen years? What What was your earlier life like? What was your family history? And and I know you have a personal health issue that triggers some thoughts, and I'd be curious to have you share that with everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I realized I was going to be an entrepreneur in high school. I was working at the original Romano's Macaroni Grill in Burning, Texas before it was turned into a chain. And I was, you know, uh, bussing tables there in high school and didn't like the fact that someone could tell me how much money I made or when I had to work. And I would come home at night and watch Tony Robbins at two in the morning on infomercials. And, and I, I realized there was a different uh, a different option for me. And so I took that option. And I got involved in the network marketing industry when i was uh, that was the late 90s because that was really the only opportunity available for a broke teenager uh, before social media existed and even video on the internet existed and I failed at that miserably for about six years um, didn't make a dime but then I finally started to study marketing and I started to study copywriting and di- direct response marketing specifically and I basically ended up figuring out how to get people to come to me instead of chasing after people and holding home meetings. And the book that you're showing is uh, those concepts basically in written form. And I I wrote that book after I had successfully used these strategies to build a a seven-figure business. And that book kind of put me on the map from a a marketing perspective. Uh, I built my first seven-figure business by the age of 27. That turned into a $10 million plus business within a couple of years. Uh, By the time I was 30, I had achieved everything I wanted in that industry and I wanted to move on to something else. And at that time, uh, that's right around the time when my interest turned to investing, um, I had made tens of millions of dollars at that point in my life. And I had no idea what to do with it other than spend it on fun stuff like fast cars and boats and you know other other things that uh, a young single man in his 20s would do, making that kind of money. But I realized that I was making a mistake and I was uh, squandering an opportunity, and I wasn't respecting the money that I was making, and I wanted to change that. And so I started a business called the Elevation Group that I launched in December of 2010. And the answer, I guess, the question that that business was designed to answer was, what do really wealthy people, specifically wealthy entrepreneurs, do with the money once they make it? Because making money is actually quite easy. Keeping it is significantly harder. And um, that business kind of took on a life of its own. We launched it, again, December in 2010. We did $3.2 million in revenue in our first seven days. We did eight figures in our first year. And uh, it was a, a phenomenal success um, in, in a very similar period to what we're going through today. Not quite as extreme as what we're going through today, but we were at the beginning of, of the winter season. In the United States, so we're obviously coming out of the the crash of 2008, and a lot of people were wondering what to do with their money because they had just lost you know 50% of their retirement funds um, after that crash, and so it was the right business at the right time, answering the the right question. Uh, A few years into that, I sold the business to my partner, and I decided to take on a completely new challenge. I wanted to do something very different um, from what I'd done previously, so I wanted to. Uh, get into the hydroponics business. One of the biggest challenges that I saw because I lived across from the Whole Foods headquarters in downtown Austin was the fact that I like to eat healthy, and I like to, or, you know, uh, juice organic greens, and the cost to do, do that on a weekly basis was hundreds of dollars, um, which was unacceptable to me, and it made me quite angry. And The alternative to that, I realized, is if you're not making a lot of money, that you uh, are forced to consume food that's covered in poison or genetically modified. And uh, that just didn't seem right to me. And so the question became well, how do you change that? And the answer was inspired by Dr. Peter Diamandis and, and his work around decentralization and how do you decentralize industries? And we saw Around, you know, the last 20 years, the decentralization of the taxi industry with Uber, the decentralization of, um, uh, you know, branding and getting work done through uh, through different platforms like 99designs and, you know, all of the different services that are out there. So every industry started to go to a decentralized model. Um, we see, you know, Bitcoin right now where they that decentralized money. And I was like, why can't we decentralize the ag industry? And so that was the ideas. I want to build a decentralized, basically robot that could go in everybody's house and essentially grow organic food for you automatically without any kind of skill involved. Um, And if we could do that, uh, we could reduce the cost of organic produce by 90 percent. We could reduce water waste by 95 percent and we could reduce pesticide consumption by 100 percent. And so this that we're looking at right now is the prototype that we built. And this is the first and only fully automated hydroponic system for home uh, food production that that even exists still to this day. Um, down in the base, we had a reservoir for nutrient uh, solution, a reservoir for fresh water. We had real-time hardware for measuring uh, pH in real time. We had pumps for dosing, uh, you know, uh, the pH uh, solution. we had pumps for dosing nutrients, and we had uh, uh, excuse me sensors for for water level. And then in the top we have LED lights uh, that were also connected to Wi-Fi and they would basically the lights would come on and turn off and they would follow the the arc of the sun. And so it would naturally kick on in the morning and wake you up if you wanted to take advantage of uh, you know the benefits that could bring into your circadian rhythm and it would go off at night. And we put years of time and millions of dollars into the development of this product, um, uh, ultimately to figure out that it was infinitely more difficult to do than um, we could possibly imagine. We realized there's a reason why no one had done this yet, and there's all kinds of, uh, of reasons for that that I won't waste time on, but it's an incredibly difficult challenge. And what I ended up doing was uh, instead investing in a company called Click and Grow, which Y'all are all probably very familiar with. And it's not the perfect solution, but they had a very efficient and a very elegant solution. And so I've been an investor with them now for, gosh, probably five or six years, and they're doing great. Um, And then that finally brought me to the podcast that we have briefly. And then um, uh, the last couple of years has been spent uh, getting over a very, very severe toxic mold uh, health injury. And now we're are working on our, our primary focus is the Victory Mastermind, where we're basically coalescing all of this and helping people start a business, helping people uh, learn how to invest like the wealthy, helping people protect their assets and helping people unplug from the system um, from a food perspective and energy perspective and a water perspective. And so how can we, you know, the answer or the question for this for Victory is basically how do we remove our dependency from the system? because as we can see today, the system, and I'm, you know, you can call it the World Economic Forum, you can call it the New World Order, you can call it whatever you want to do, the US government. The, the people who are in power want the people to be under control and dependent upon their system in every single way. And unfortunately, we are that we are dependent on them in every single fashion right now. And that dependency means that we can't really stand up for ourselves and we can't fight back uh, very effectively because they control our money, they control our food, they control our power, they control our water. As long as that's the case, um, it's going to be a really bad side of, uh, of the equation to be on for us. And so our goal here is to help people unplug from that, become independent um, first at a home level, because once you're independent and you're no longer dependent upon them uh, just for your basic necessities, and that gives you options. That gives you options to have a different opinion. That gives you options to speak up uh, against tyranny. And it gives you options to, to prosper in a new way outside the system. So,
0: interesting you have that perspective. I, I've got two thoughts that are conflicting. One is more about the 80 year cycle. And if I understand that 80 year cycle, the first 20 years of that cycle is the winter. And we're coming towards the end of that. Is that? my understanding that you're
1: the uh, the last one the last 20 uh, is winter and so we have summer spring fall and winter and we started winter in around 2005 and our winter season here will will basically climax in 2025 and in a winter season uh, winter is where the old powers that be come into conflict with the new powers that be it's basically a a challenging of values, a challenging of ideas, and a challenge for who is going to dictate the way the world is run or that country is run for the next 80 to 100 years. And so that's why we see the conflict in values that we have in the United States right now versus, let's just call it, liberal and and conservative values. Uh, We've never been more divided as a country from a values perspective. We've never been more divided um, in in a political perspective. And so these are those two groups coming into conflict that are now fighting for um, control of, of the next millennia, not millennia, but, but next century. And we see this also playing out on, on a global perspective. We see China coming in and challenging the United States for dominance of the next century. We see political values uh, of you know, a democracy versus communism uh, being challenged right now, right? So this is all happening at once. And uh, that's why I believe it's going to be a very, very, very rough, uh, you know, next seven years. Between now and 2030, it's it's going to be extremely volatile. And there's going to be a lot of unknowns. And there's going to be a lot of things that are unexpected that we want people to be prepared for. Yeah. Just to be uh, telling you, I like, think Wayne is on. And that's why you hear the background, a <laughs> little bit from the airport. So I think Wayne is on with us. Awesome, Wayne.
0: Hey, hi everybody. I apologize. My uh, they said that, as they say today, I was southwest today. Um, my flight was late. At least it wasn't canceled. But uh, I've been listening for the last 10 minutes, ten minutes or so. Thank you so much for being with us, Mike, today. And and then I also want to let you know, Bob is so excited to be able to be uh, leading this. I know he's doing a great job. He is he admires you so much. And I'm going to let him just continue to lead questions because. Even though I'm here, I'm sitting in the airport and there's a little bit of loudness around me. I'm going to mute myself. So, Bob, continue to ask some great questions. Thank you. Well, the question that I wanted to get to, because in terms of being prepared, it's looking at the control mechanisms that can control you. And the one that I'm the most fearful of, and I think it probably plays into some of your investing strategy, is the currency war. That's going on right now, and the digitization of money. So, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's it's a big topic, and uh, I'm trying to get my my arm and my head wrapped around it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're looking at the if you look at the lifespan of the average lifespan of a reserve currency, right? It's around uh, I, I don't remember the exact date, but um, we're coming up on it. Uh, Here, here, as far as the lifespan of the United States uh, dollar is concerned. And so that's certainly coming to a head as well. Um, And what I believe governments have become aware of, thanks to the innovations that that Bitcoin uh, has brought to the table, is that they now have the ability to make a digital currency. And to be quite honest, there's lots of benefits that a digital currency will bring to the world. Um, But unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of downside as well. And that downside comes in the form of uh, a lack of privacy and and control. And we can already see what that looks like uh, in China right now with their rollout of their digital yuan and the test that they've been doing. And, you know, the digital the digital currency is is one thing to be concerned about the bigger concern about for me is the digital id that will be required to use it and the digital wallet that will be required to use it that's where things get uh really really interesting because it could be argued right now that we already have digital dollars right every time we use a credit card or make a bank wire we're, we're not we're certainly not um transacting with paper money when we're doing that it's all digital but For this new format, they're going to want a digital ID and they're going to need a digital wallet. And the big question and concern that I have is how are they going to bring that about? Because the cat is out of the bag. Uh, COVID and and the vaccine IDs and and all of that stuff has made everybody well aware of the risks that are involved, um, the lack of freedom that comes along with that, the lack of movement that comes along with that. And there's a very large portion of the population, specifically here in the United States, that is not going to accept that uh, in any form or fashion. And so with that in mind, knowing that they're going to move to a digital dollar and knowing that 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 digital dollar, again, is going to require digital ID and a digital wallet. They're going to have to force that on the population somehow and that's where i get concerned because how are they going to do that well the only way that i can see that being forced onto us in a way where the majority of people would accept it is in the form of a vaccine passport which they've already tried in covid and which they've already implemented in a lot of other countries you know uh, already uh specifically china is is the is the clearest example of that and so I think they're personally, I think they're going to use that playbook again, and I think we're going to see another pandemic here in the United States within the next two to three years, and this time I think it's actually going to be truly dangerous and deadly, um, unlike COVID, Uh, and it's going to be dangerous enough to where it it truly scares everybody, and it truly warrants um, the need for people to be tracked and traced and whatever. And I don't agree with that at all. And I never will agree with that, but it will be dangerous enough. And the headlines will be bad enough that ninety, ninety-five percent of people will say, okay. And the people like me who are going to be speaking up about it will be, uh, ostracized, marginalized and, and, uh, and persecuted in a, in a significant fashion because there's going to be a lot of people dying, uh, this next round. But I think that that's the only tool that they have to force the adoption of that kind of system upon every person in the United States. Uh, and again, if we look at China right now, you have to have your back's passport to go buy groceries. You have to have it to travel. You have to have it to use a cab. You have to have it to fly. You have to have it to get into your office to go to work. You have to have it to do everything. And they, uh, they used COVID uh, very efficiently to implement all of those policies and all of those all of those restrictions. And I think the United States is going to end up doing the exact same thing. Um, You know, a year ago, there were uh, giant purchases made by the U.S. government of uh, a smallpox vaccine. There was Bill Gates coming out and making uh, warnings about a weaponized smallpox uh, pandemic that could come out in the next years ahead. And then I believe just here in October, uh, over the last month, there was another, another practice session run. I'm gonna see if I can find the, uh, yeah, here, called the Catastrophic Contagion. So another simulation event run, this time for an uh, enterovirus that will originate from Brazil in 2025. This was once again sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation um, and the John Hopkins Institute and the uh, World Health Organization. And so here they are doing another practice run, which is what they did four months before COVID uh, was released in you know 2000. <laughs> Uh, with event 201, and so that's what I what I see happening.
0: So um, before I think when you were talking about hydroponics, you talked about the solution being decentralization, and the challenge that you just outlined is all about centralization. So let's take, let's stick with the, the currency topic, and do you see a decentralized option for uh, new currencies that will keep the people from being had their, their keep the people having their own way with their life, because without it, we're we're sunk.
1: Yeah, um, you know obviously, Bitcoin has been unbelievably successful. Um, I, I don't think it, it could have gone better than it has possibly gone for one of the very first digital currencies to go from nothing and go from an experiment to literal, literally global adoption, um, without ever once failing, without the, ne- the network ever once going down, without it ever being hacked. Um, despite the world's governments' you know best efforts to do so, it has continued to thrive. And yet at the same time, Bitcoin has its shortcomings. It's a bit slow. Um, You know, it's a bit complicated to use. And the price changes a lot. So it's hard to use as a currency because you never know what, you know, what's in your wallet, what it's going to be worth the next day, you know, or even the next hour. And so it doesn't have the stability that a a mainstream currency would require to transact with. Um, And yet there are going to be solutions to that. Um, I think... Once the necessity puts enough pressure on, on those solutions to be created, we already have the Lightning Network, which really solves the, the transaction volume problem. But what we don't really have right now outside of Tether is a, stable, a solution for a decentralized stablecoin. And Tether still has some challenges that it needs to overcome from a credibility perspective. But those are options that are available right now. Um, I think personally that the United States government has already begun manipulating the price of bitcoin and other major cryptocurrencies but really all they need to do is is manipulate the price of bitcoin and ethereum and those are going to those are going to dictate the the price action of all of the other altcoins that are out there um and when i look at the bitcoin chart and look at how the last cycle ended prematurely and i look at it right now and what it's doing to me it has um the plunge protection team Fingerprints all over it, and it feels like gold 2.0 uh, to me. I've, I've been a, a huge gold bug since 2006, and gold has never done what it was supposed to do. Uh, based, you know, when you look at the, the the trillions of dollars in debt and the amount of inflation that the United States is experiencing right now, gold should be five to ten thousand dollars an ounce, and yet it's still at sixteen, seventeen hundred bucks, um, which is where it was in 2007, 2008, and so. Uh, that's because it's being manipulated. That has come out as public knowledge. I believe it was—I believe it was J.P. Morgan Chase that that was fined for that. Um, and I believe that they're doing the same thing now with Bitcoin and Ethereum. So I am not confident or sure that we're going to see another big, huge bull cycle in crypto uh, moving forward. We might see another one that may go up to fifty, sixty thousand dollars again. I don't know if we're going to see one beyond that. Uh, for that reason, and so. Uh, Above and beyond Bitcoin, we also have we also have gold, which is actually in in some ways now superior to Bitcoin because the blockchain analytic tools that exist today are so sophisticated and because the blockchain uh, is basically public, you know, public to view and public to track. They can track every transaction that takes place on the Bitcoin blockchain and, and frankly, Ethereum and every other blockchain out there uh, other than the privacy coins. And if they can tag your ID uh, through the KYC process to your specific Bitcoin wallet, whether it's on an exchange or a private wallet, let's say you've got Bitcoin on a private hardware wallet like a Trezor right now. Well, if you send that Bitcoin to your Coinbase account so that you can sell it and then turn it into dollars, they know who that treasure wallet belongs to, they know it belongs to you, right? So your privacy disappears at that moment. So in some ways gold is even more private because it's not traceable in that in that same fashion. And so for me, uh, I have some physical gold and I obviously have some crypto, but how this is all gonna play out in the years ahead is anyone's guess. Uh, I do know that it's the single biggest prize in the world to, to try to, to win. And uh, I don't think that there's anything that the, the government won't do in order to try to protect and preserve the, the dollar's dominance on, on the global economic stage. Um, but I, I think it's going to be an interesting battle in the years to come, that's for sure.
0: So you are obviously very well informed on a lot of different topics because you blended them all together in that description. So how do you stay up to date with information and how importantly do you determine what you believe is true and what you believe is misleading?
1: Um, You know, paying attention, I I love this stuff. Like this, I find absolutely fascinating. And my personal, I made a decision. Um, There's empowering decisions that we make and there's limiting decisions that we make um, all throughout our lives. And I remembered when the crash of 2007, 2008 happened, um, I made a conscious decision to look at the people who turned that challenge into an opportunity. And I said, that's what I always wanna do whenever I'm presented with challenge: is I don't wanna become a victim of it. I want to become a victor of it and I wanna turn it into a victory and I wanna turn it into an opportunity. And I think that's a very important mindset and frame uh, of reference to keep throughout your entire life, but especially through times like right now. And so when I see stuff like this coming down the road, I get excited because I'm like, all right, things are going to get crazy and that's going to create a ton of opportunity. And for me, that's fun. I want to figure out that puzzle and I want to, I want to learn how to win in those scenarios. And if I can help a lot of people do that at the same time, then that makes it even more fulfilling for me to do. And so, you know, from an information gathering process, I'm always on YouTube, I'm always um in Telegram. Uh we've got a, a private Signal group with a lot of really smart people and uh and military guys who are constantly sharing information about what's happening in the world. Um, and that's it. I just pay attention. I mean, honestly, Bob, I I just pay attention. And a lot of people don't want to pay attention to it. I have friends who don't want to hear about any of this stuff. Uh, they find it they find it scary. And I think they find it scary because they're not looking at it as an opportunity. Um, they're looking at it as a, as a potential train wreck. And so clearly they're going to be scared in that circumstance. And I understand that. But that's a personal choice. and a, And everybody has the ability to change the way they look at a, at a situation. And I just happen to look at it from an optimistic standpoint instead of a pessimistic one. Um, So I hope, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, that's what came to mind.
0: So let's, let's take it to the next thing, which is the, the argument for optimism. And because you're looking for opportunity, you must see optimism. I'm curious to know what, what you're seeing in the future that people should be, Paying attention to as a sign of, I don't know, spirituality and connectedness to the rest of each other and avoiding the conflict that we have in the division that has been created that I, for one, you know, it's, I can't stomach it.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one I asked a friend of mine about a year, year and a half ago. Um, she was former military and trained all the special forces guys and did a lot of their mental mindset, you know, work and things like that. And, and I was like, hey, how how are you not concerned about what's going on in the world today? Like, why are you not taking action? Why are you not speaking up? Why are you not doing this and that, you know, in order to pr- protect the freedoms and the rights that we have and to stand up against the tyranny that's you know, being rolled out across the world right now. And she said, because it's necessary. And she said, if you want to see massive positive change in the world, the amount of tyranny and amount of pain uh, that we are seeing right now is necessary as a catalyst in order to bring that about. And when I thought about it, I realized instantly that she was spot on. She was totally correct. If we want to have massive change, if we want to change the entire financial system, if we want to change the the political system, if we want to implement, you know, blockchain-based voting so we have voting integrity again, if we want to, you know, get rid of the the Federal Reserve and you know all of all of these mechanisms of control out there, we can't keep going about our life in a really comfortable way like you know we we did the previous decade um, because. Nobody's motivated when things are, are comfortable to do anything, right? And so the good news right now is that the power, the, these powers have come out from behind the curtain. They've now shown themselves. They're now openly talking about their agenda and what they want to implement. And that's done something incredibly important, which has brought awareness to billions of people around the world As to what's taking place and that this agenda exists and that uh, these people want control over every aspect of our lives. And so that awareness is kind of step number one that's required to make change. Uh, Step number two is extreme discomfort and pain. Because until you, I, and everybody else in the street is under extreme pain and duress, until it affects our lives on a personal level, maybe because we don't have a job, maybe because we've lost all of our money, maybe because we've lost family members, you know, from a health crisis, there's no motivation for people to stand up and take action. The pain has to be great enough uh, for you and I to stand up and risk everything that we have to fight back against it and to make change. And so, when I realized that, I was like, "Okay, good. I'm glad this is happening right now." And in some ways, um, you know, nobody hopes that it, get, it gets worse, but in some ways. It's going to need to get worse. It's going to need to hit an inflection point and a climax that is so horrific, like we saw in World War II with Hitler, that we'll all say, stand up, take action, say never again, no more, never again. Um, and so that's the that's the blessing inside of inside of you know the darkness uh, right now. Unfortunately, that we're going to have to go through in order to make the the changes we want to see.
0: And so, going back to the question I asked you about how you inform yourself, how do we, what's your answer, if you've got one, to all those people who aren't looking because they're just accepting the headline news, not even
1: the information that's beyond the headlines? Um, I'm not worried about them because I don't think you can make an impact on someone who is not ready to hear what you have to say. And I think that became very obvious during COVID, right? Um, I can't, if you're actually paying attention to what's happening right now with the death rate um, and what's finally coming out, thanks to Elon Musk and Twitter uh, around what was hidden and what these vaccines are doing to people and have done to people, there are still friends of mine who won't accept that. They won't even look at it. They won't acknowledge it and they won't accept it. And that's going to be a lot of people in the world, but more and more are waking up every single day, more and more are becoming aware of how they were, you know, taken advantage of and, and duped every single day, whether I say it or not. Um, it's it's happening we just saw the football player you know fall over with a heart attack this week on the field I guarantee you that's waking up millions of more people millions of more people right so I don't waste my time trying to convince people who don't want to hear what I have to say I try to empower the people who who get it who understand it and now how do I turn them into a hard target meaning how do I turn them into a soldier for freedom who's not dependent upon a system, who is coming from a position of strength in life. And if and when things reach a climax, they're prepared, um, they're empowered, and they have the knowledge, the information, and the resources they need to take care of their friends and family and then to stand up and do something. Those are the people I concern myself with. And um, I think world events will go ahead and take care of opening the eyes of the other people right now that, you know, don't want to hear what we have to say.
0: I don't know if this happens to you but it seems to happen to me a lot I feel like deja vu all over again I've had this conversation with you but I don't remember ever talking to you before um, but now that you've kind of given that background take us to the decision and the effort that you've made to be out of the out of harm's way by getting off the grid because I know the people in this community will be very interested in that I think we only have about 20 minutes left so I don't want to Get you into a uh, deep rabbit hole. So see if you can kind of give them a yeah. Now it'll fifty thousand.
1: It yeah, it should be pretty quick. Um, you know, I want to preface this is uh, first and foremost is the fact that um, you know we, we've been very blessed uh, financially, and so we have the the means to do things that I I'm aware that the average person doesn't have the means to do. Um, And first and foremost, that can change. I want everybody to know that, that if you're not happy with your financial situation, that can change. Uh, The last job that I ever had was waiting tables at a P.F. Chang's at the age of 24. Um, And uh, I was a B.C.D. student. And so there's nothing special about me. I just decided that I wanted to experience a different level of financial prosperity in life. And uh, every single person is capable of doing that. So that being said, um, we moved exactly a year ago out to the Texas Hill Country, about an hour outside of Austin, Texas, to a small town that uh, we we really love, and we're on a small property, you know, Texas, you know, for, for, for Texas size, uh, you know, 16 acres, but, you know, we basically put down a list, Michelle and I put down a list one night of the things that were our dream characteristics in a property. Uh, for me specifically, it had to be new construction because of my, my toxic mold allergy and uh, health crisis that I was going through. So that uh, was very important. Uh, two, we wanted it to be at least 10 acres in size. Uh, we wanted it to have a separate guest house. We wanted it to have a hilltop view, and we wanted it to have uh, ideally a pond or some kind of water on the property, And um, and and lo and behold, as soon as we made that list, we jumped on on Zillow and the first property we looked at had every single one of those things. Um, I came out the very next day, I drove onto the driveway and I was like, this is it. This is this was literally made for us and a brand new construction home, exactly how we would have designed it with every single item that was on our list, including a chicken coop with chickens in it and an air conditioned workshop and everything else that we had asked for, five acre fishing lake. Um, and I put it under contract that day and since then, we've spent the last year uh, doing what you know we're teaching, which is taking it off grid. So we've just installed um, the largest solar battery system in Hayes County uh, for residents. And uh, the goal for us is we wanted to be able to run the entire property off the grid. Um, a lot of people look at solar as an emergency power backup to maybe keep their fridge running and their lights on. Uh, we didn't want that. We wanted to be able to run the entire property 24-7 like we normally do, full AC use, full heater use, all of it, without ever having to be connected to the grid uh, if, if that were to ever go down. And I think that there is a very, very, very high probability that we, that will take place um, to some degree or another here in the next few years. And so for us, power independence was priority number one. The really neat part that I want to share with everybody right now is because of the existing government incentives that are out there. Um, And if you own a business and you can write it off as a business expense, this entire system, which was well over $100,000 in cost, is going to be free for us within five years. Free. Not only that, Bob, it's going to put $100,000 in our pocket. Mm -hmm. And so... This is a, a very rare window right now where the government's going to pay for 30, I believe it's 30 or 33% of your system. They're going to write you a check and apply that towards your income taxes this year just for installing solar. Um, because it's we work from home, it's a business expense for us, so we get to depreciate it as as a business expense. Uh, we get to get rid of you know uh, a $500 a month energy bill, and then we get to get rid of at least $500 or more a month in gas gasoline that we spend. So between those things, within five years, our CPA, we did all the, the math. We ran the numbers. We did a whole video, hour and a half long video on this for our members. Um, the system will have paid for itself. And now we've got this asset that's a part of our home. It's put equity into our house of, of well over $100,000 in equity. So we actually made money to by taking ourselves off the grid, which is awesome. And I don't think of very, very many people are aware of the fact that you can do that. Um, the water piece. Um, you know, fortunately right now we, we ha- have our own well, so we have a 500 foot deep well that we pump water out of, but that is dependent upon electricity. Uh, hence the need for for power being a big priority for us. Um, right now we're in the process of specking out a 20 to 30,000 gallon uh, rainwater catchment system that will tie into the, the house system. Uh, we had obviously an extremely, extremely bad drought here in Texas last year. Our, our five acre lake is now two and a half acres. Uh, it's, it's down probably half of its capacity and it's going to take a substantial, substantial amount of rain for that thing to fill back up again, which I don't think is going to happen. I think we're going to see whether that's just as bad this coming summer as we did last year. And, and that could literally dry that entire lake up if we do. And so getting rain catchment in place is uh, our next priority. And then the final piece is food, and so obviously we have we have chickens, we've got cows that roam the property, excuse me. And uh, a year ago, <laughs> right when we moved in, we spec'd out a thousand square foot greenhouse from TexasGreenhouses.com, and that has AC and it also has heat. With the goal that we want to be able to produce enough food for about 20 people year-round full-time, and Texas weather is super extreme. We were at uh, 10 days ago, we were, we were down to 10 degrees Fahrenheit at night. Everything outside died, right? It all Anything we had in our garden's dead at this point. And, uh, and so having the ability to be able to grow food in the winter and in the summer, um, if you want to be food independent, you, you are going to have to have a greenhouse, at least here in Texas. Um, that company, Green, Texas Greenhouses, I would not necessarily recommend so far because it has taken a, a year for this, to get installed. It should be installed this month. We'll see at this point, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Um, but, uh, but that will right there, will take care of uh, energy. It'll take care of food and we'll have, we'll have water taken care of as well. And now we're helping our neighbors uh, do the same thing. So we have a group of friends who've all moved out into the same area. We're all within 30 minutes of each other. They're all doing the exact same thing. Taking their properties off grid. They have been for the last two years and we're forming a community and we have uh, monthly community meetings that up to a hundred people are at. Some of them, uh, you know, most of them I don't even know at this point, but they're all basically within Hayes County and we're talking to the sheriff and we're working with the sheriff and we're working with doctors and we're working with other people who see the world that we, the same way that we see it. And we're educating each other We're we're setting up uh, communication systems and ham radio towers on people's property if comms go down, we'll we'll have the ability to have our own communication grid uh, here that will cover most of Central Texas, and uh, and at the same time, I want to say this all sounds like a lot of doomsday prepper stuff. The most important thing for me is what's the return on all of this during the 99% of the time where the emergency use is not necessary, and for me that has to be a part of this equation, and so. We don't sit here in in doomsday prepper mode. Um, And yet, because we're living this lifestyle, our quality of life has increased massively. So whether we ever need this stuff or not, we've already won because we're spending time outdoors in the garden. We're eating the healthiest, tastiest food we've ever had in our life. We're having fun taking care of the animals and the chickens um we're having fun charging our our tesla for free and 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 not spending money on gas and uh we enjoy you know feeding the deer and watching the turkeys outside and and you know letting our kids you know run free around the land and so even if you know the primary purpose in which we bought this for is never used again it's still a massive massive victory for us and i want people to understand that um it's important, I think, to look at uh, life that way. Um, this is an abundance, uh, this is about abundance for us, it's not about fear. It's about independence for us and and sovereignty. It's, um, it's about freedom. Um, and so I think it's a big mental piece of the puzzle people need to be aware of.
0: And you're working from home, uh, can you describe what you're doing today? And if anybody that's on the call is interested in that how would they get involved
1: yeah yeah so um you can go to twovictory.com and um we have put together basically an online mastermind group that that wayne is a part of that's how we met and michelle and i are basically teaching everybody everything we know to help them thrive over the next seven years between now and 2030. how do you build a, a seven-figure business uh, online? Um, how do you change your mental game? Uh, how do you improve your health, improve your relationship with your spouse and with your kids? How do you invest, uh, like the rich? How do you protect your assets? How do you look for opportunities? And if you were, you know, to go to the next page, you can go to, tovictorycom forward slash mastermind. If you, if y'all can pull that up, um, this is going to go through and then let's put, uh, TO victory. Uh, so TO and then victory at the front of that. And then slash mastermind. This is a close to a 30 to 40 page document that I, I spent months putting together on really the five big predictions that I see coming down the road. Um, hmm, that, didn't, that didn't show up correctly. Let's see here. Try Try that link in the chat real quick. Or you can uh, you can probably enter your email address or just a fake email address and it'll show up. But basically, it's the five big predictions, here we go, of what I think is going to happen, um, which I think this is important for, for everybody to read and have awareness around. But as you scroll through this, predictions one, two, and three are quite concerning. Predictions four or five are actually quite positive. And I believe it can make you a fortune if you pay attention to this. And what I'm talking about is the transformation that the world is going to go through from a technology standpoint over the next decade, no matter who's in power. And one of the single biggest uh, transitions that's going to take place, no matter what, is the transition from oil and gas to electricity, um, specifically solar and wind. And as you continue to scroll down and you get down to prediction four, um, probably about halfway down the document, you're going to see some charts and some graphs that are going to show you that the oil age is done and it's over. And the reason that that is the case is because it is now, um, cheaper to produce electricity with battery, solar, and wind power than it is through nuclear, through geothermal, through coal, natural gas, whatever you, whatever it may be, the cost per kilowatt hour produced via wind and solar stored in battery is now less expensive. So everything is going to be transitioning that way. And that's going to create massive, massive opportunities. Um, Investing in companies like Tesla, investing in companies like Enphase um, are are just going to be gargantuan opportunities in the years to come. And if you keep going down, there's a specific part in here that I want to show everybody. um, That's going to be another huge opportunity. Let's keep going a little little lower, a little lower. Prediction four. Let's keep going. And let's get down to prediction five, we're almost here. Okay, so there's the the solar stuff. So right here, let's scroll scroll up a little bit. Um, There's a company called Energy X. So right now everybody's up in arms about how inefficient lithium batteries are, how expensive it is to mine, how it's destroying the environment and all of this other stuff. And you're completely correct. The one thing that you're not taking into account if you have that viewpoint is innovation. And a lot of people who make arguments about technological changes, they don't take innovation into account. And so this one company right here, EnergyX, has come up with a process that is revolutionizing lithium mining and refinement. And so right now it takes about 18 months to refine uh, raw lithium from lithium salts that's mined. And there's only a 30% efficiency rate. So out of the the massive, I think if you scroll up a little bit, you actually see a lithium a lithium uh, refinement pond right here, right? So that's where they're putting raw lithium salts out into the sun to basically um, be dehydrated, if you will, to take out all of the water and leave the lithium salts, which are then going to be further refined. And out of that, they're going to lose about 70% of the, the raw ingredient. They're going to be left with 30% left over, and that's going to take a year and a half to do. Very inefficient process. EnergyX has created a process to refine lithium at a 90% efficiency rate. So they recovered 90% of the, of the lithium out of the raw materials and they do it in 24 hours. Right. That's an 81,000. That's an 81,000% increase in efficiency. Imagine what that's going to do when Tesla buys this company to the cost of lithium, right? The cost of lithium is going to, going to, Plummet. It's going to become available as a commodity, right? Um, the next company down, I want to show you something else. There's a company called GMG in Australia. You'll see the logo here in, in just a minute, right here. Um, so GMG has created an aluminum oxide battery. Um, they're just starting now the very first commercial production of this. And let's go, let's go up a little bit. Let's go up above it. Um, right? So aluminum oxide battery has a few very interesting qualities. One, um, lithium ha- needs to be at a, at, a, at a quite a stable temperature range. It can't get too hot, it can't get too cold, or it either blows up or it stops working, right? If you've ever had lithium batteries in an RV out in, out in freezing temps, you, you know the power drops significantly, and if it gets too hot, it, it blows up. Not a good thing, and it also uh, puts a, a cap on how charged the how fast the batteries can be charged just from a thermal dynamics perspective. Well, with aluminum oxide batteries, they don't have those thermal properties. They don't have thermal limitations at all. So an aluminum oxide battery in the same density holds 300% more power. So my Tesla right now that goes has a range of 400 miles with the exact same volume of battery, it will now go 1200 miles that power density changes everything. Now we can use batteries to power planes, we can use it to power ships, we can use to power 18 wheelers, we can use it to literally power everything. And because it doesn't have the same thermal properties, it can be charged unbelievably fast. In fact, it can be charged 70 times faster than lithium batteries. So I can take my entire car to a power station and charge it from zero to 100 in three minutes. Not an hour, hour and a half, three minutes
0: can even come um, so
1: cost. Exactly. And it's yeah. going to be a fraction of the cost of lithium because it's based on aluminum, which is the third most um pre- prevalent element on the planet. And there's aluminum refinement plants and mine, mines everywhere. Right? Aluminum is everywhere and it's cheap. And so this is the change that's coming to the world right now and nobody's paying attention to this. Nobody knows about this company. Right. Nobody knows about Energy X right now, but this is the stuff that I look for because I'm looking for opportunities while everybody else is paying attention to the news and what Klaus Schwab is saying, which I watch as well. But I'm like, okay, where are the opportunities that are also coming down the pipeline? This is what I focus on. Um, And this is what I talk about. You have the opportunity, the headline. Here's my five bold predictions and how they can make you a fortune. This is how it can make you a fortune. Um, So all of these changes are going to take place. Hopefully, hopefully we don't blow the world up in the process, but assuming we make it through, uh, you know, World War III right now, uh, the future could be, could be quite bright. And another prediction I have in here is that the, the people who are behind this massive agenda, I, I talk about this, I believe in, in actually prediction four, is they're all in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're all about to leave this planet in the next decade. Their ideas are going to go with them. Their contacts are going to go with them. Uh, That way of being, that way of looking at the world is going to die when they die. And that's all going to happen here for the most part in the next 10 years. And so that's another reason why I'm optimistic about the future, because this whole Cold War mentality that Putin grew up in and that Trump grew up in and that uh, Klaus Schwab grew up in and uh, all of these characters, Nancy Pelosi and, and just these clowns it's all coming to an end Um, and new leadership is going to emerge and hopefully we have an opportunity to have an impact on who those leaders are right so
0: so that's a great topic i think you should just elaborate a little bit more about how we as populace can impact who our leaders are going to (sighs) be
1: Uh, ultimately it comes down to what you're willing to tolerate. You will get what you tolerate, right? Because people who have power over you will push and push and push and push and and abuse that power and abuse it until you stand up and say, no, But as long as you continue to tolerate, they're going to continue to push it. And so I think the single most important lesson that people need to learn right now at this point in history is how to stand up and say no very loudly and uh, with meaning because that's why we're in the situation we're in when it comes to the vaccine and the millions of people in the world who are dying right now because of vaccine injuries who are falling over on football fields right Um, that happened because people were not willing to stand up and say no to something that hopefully deep down everybody knew was wrong Uh, which is the fact that no one should have the right to inject your body with something that you don't have. Um, You don't give them the the permission to do. Um, And yet a lot of people did, hundreds of millions of people did that. And and now they're going to pay the price for it. It's a very, very hard, difficult lesson to learn, but that lesson is going to become valuable here as we move into the future. And it becomes even more important to acquire that ability to say no. And I guarantee you, a hell of a lot more people who took that vaccine and regret it now are going to have that ability and that gumption uh, and that grit to say no, which I think is, is step number one. Um, step number two is to be in a position to say no and to stay with that commitment. And what do you need to stay with that commitment? You need to not be dependent upon the, the, these people in the system for your food, your power, and your water. Um, because as long as you're dependent on that, they have control of you. You can, you can, you know, this comes down to the right to own firearms, right? The only reason the United States did not become a virtual prison, like all of these other countries did, the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, China. Um, The only reason the United States did not be, you know, move down to that extreme is because we're armed. And uh, that's, unbelievably critical, right? If we lose the second amendment, we lose everything. Right now, these other people in these other countries, we saw all the protests in Iran, right, the last month. Millions and millions of people protesting in Iran, trying to get their freedom, all for nothing, for nothing. And that's going to, that happened in uh, the Netherlands with the farmers, right? It happened with the truckers in Canada. It happened with the farmers in Australia. They all stood up, unbelievably brave people willing to do so and go to jail for it and the people in Iran who are going to die for it. And it was all for nothing because they didn't have the ability to defend themselves. They don't give a shit. If you take to the streets and protest and complain in Canada, it's, it's a joke. You don't have any guns. You can't do anything about it. You can whine all you want, but as long as you are not armed and they are, the game is over. They've already won, right? So, we in the United States—it really comes down to us. We're we're kind of the last line of defense here. We are—we are the Spartans um, in the gap. We are the 300, and we have to uh, basically come to grips with that position, and we have to own it, and we have to take advantage of the rights that we have and protect those, and stand up uh, against these people.
0: Well said. Well said. I know you have a time constraint, so I don't want to infringe upon your uh, willingness to keep going, but uh, I've enjoyed speaking with you. You've got a lot of great thoughts. Unfortunately, I agree with them all (laughs) because there's not enough, not when I say unfortunate, it's unfortunate there are not more of us and I'm all about helping get the word out uh, that there is, there is the need to be courageous right now. And I've been saying for a while that 1933, 1934 in Germany, very similar to the time that we're in right now. And it just keeps with that 80-year clock that you were talking about. And for one, I'm looking forward to the winter season coming to an end. So you're doing your part. I'm hopeful I can do mine. And I'm creating a spiritual community around golf, believe it or not. Uh, Because there's a tapping into the spiritual energy of the world, and we're all connected to it, and keeps you outdoors and does all the other things. So uh, I'm not as well adverse well equipped to get off the grid. So for one last comment, can you just talk to the people out there that can't go move out into the country, have to kind of stay where they are, and how can they become yeah. as independent as they possibly can, given the restraints that they have, both time, place and energy?
1: That's a that's a great question. Um, that's a great question. Is it possible to share my screen?
0: I imagine there is more. Yes. I can give you
1: the next Awesome. Let's see. Yeah, let me know what I need to press in order to do that. I'm not super familiar with GoToWebinar.
0: It should we uh, we should I'm see that. giving you the access now.
1: Okay. You should have it now.
0: Yeah, on the control panel you should see show my screen icon.
1: There we go. Okay.
0: All right, awesome.
1: Perfect. Okay. All right, so um, this is basically the Victory Mastermind. This is our our online portal, and we have our coaching call and our community kind of chat group here. We have self-reliance. We have Rich Every Day, which is our finance stuff. We have our portfolio and what we invest in, and then we have our entrepreneur content. But what I want to show everybody here is strategic prepping. And so this is a whole series of videos and lessons that I did on this topic. So this is all designed for people to... Basically, become increase their self-reliance. Whether you're living in an apartment downtown, or a condo, or single-family home, or whatever it may be, and so we cover everything here from water um, filtration and storage to uh, how to create an organic food supply, a one-year food supply, without having to go spend a fortune on Mountain House. Which right now, a year supply of Mountain House food costs around eight grand for one person. So for a family of four, that's over thirty thousand dollars to do. So we show how people how to do that here for a fraction of that. Um, And then right here to answer your question, Bob, backup generators and uh, EMP bags. And so this lesson specifically is gonna go through um, the types of portable solar battery generators that you can use. And there's one specific brand uh, here that I talk about, the EcoFlow uh, Delta Pro, which is this unit here. Um, This is expandable. So I really like the EcoFlow Delta Pro because you can expand it up to 25,000 kilowatt hours of, of battery storage which is a lot. The average home consumes about 15,000 to 20,000 kilowatt hours per day. So um, this can really power a lot of your home. But more specifically, this is one of the only units out there in the market that can actually interface into your home's um, electric panel. You have to buy their their panel um, that you can buy in order to do that, or you can have an electrician come in and and just install a backup generator, uh, basically input, into into your breaker panel, and these guys will plug right into that, and and you'll be able to back up your entire home, um, as opposed to just your refrigerator or you know a few kitchen appliances and things like that. So, we certainly talk about this topic. Um, then we get into medical basics. Uh, right here, we get into how to legally stop, stock up on antibiotics, which is incredibly important to be able to do um, without basically a doctor visit or any of that stuff this is a really great company and and a way to do that we get into my entire solar system here and how we got it for free Um, we get in I own a a gun range I own um, the range in Austin Texas I'm one of the owners and I've been doing tactical training for many many years now so I've got a whole firearms overview that we walk people through uh, which gun serves what purpose what you should buy based on your needs and where you're at And then we get into more advanced stuff like uh, tactical night vision and thermal and things like that. So all of this stuff is here and it's designed for um, people who are brand new to this, who are on a budget and who might live in, again, an apartment or a condo or a single family home.
0: Cool. And so... uh... I think we've posted a link for people on how to get involved in uh, joining this group if you're so interested. So I'm going to ask one final question. This is a selfish question on my part, which is you're doing video and I'm curious about over the years, how important you find visual quality, uh, audio quality, and then the big question of all is editing and how you go about doing that
1: efficiently. Um it's not as important as you think. Audio quality matters more than video quality. And so having a, a decent microphone is is really important. But you know, the video quality that we have right now or that you'll find on Zoom is adequate. It's it's fine. Um ultimately if you're giving people information and you're training them, it comes down to the quality of the information and the knowledge that they're getting over video quality. Um, you know, here I'll, I'll, I'll show an example real quick. That'll prove my point. Um, am I sharing my screen again? Yep. Okay. So here I spent literally over a million dollars making this, um, this product right here on entrepreneurship, where we had a full film crew, we had sets designed, um, we flew people in, we flew talent in, we had everything professionally edited. and it was a giant, giant, giant production for the vast majority of these lessons. Uh, this one right here with my friend Andy Frazella is, you know, one camera, uh, two little lapel mics in his office. And there's absolutely no difference in value between this lesson, which was produced for maybe 500 to 1,000 bucks in, in you know, editing and travel versus, you know, this lesson right here, which was done in a studio and probably cost us 10 grand to produce. So for me, this is a very expensive lesson to learn where I wouldn't go the high production route anymore. I would just go the genuine route. And right now what we're doing, I would consider the genuine route, which is just being ourselves. I'm wearing a t-shirt today. I'm not all dressed up and fancy. I'm in my my garage, which has been turned into my office. And I think the value that was presented here had to do with what I, I spoke about rather than the visual quality or the clothes that I'm wearing, if that makes sense, right? right. Um but, but audio would be big. If you couldn't hear me and, you know, I, I sounded really far away or like I was in a tunnel, people will just shut down because it requires effort to listen to and to hear. And if it requires effort and energy to concentrate, then people are going to check out. And that's, uh, that's why the audio is important.
0: And then how do you accomplish the lessons that you publish? Uh, do you edit those at all? And if so, how do you edit them and how much energy does that take?
1: Um, If we have anything that needs to be edited, like you can see right here, this is our our YouTube studio. We're going to be launching a podcast soon on YouTube and it's going to be video. And we have three cameras. We have we have those two hanging there and we have the one sitting on the floor. Um, So that requires an editor um, and, you know, someone to come and professionally do that because I don't I don't know how to do that stuff. But for everything else, we do it on Zoom and. There's really no editing involved. I might trim the beginning off, you know, the first three to five minutes of waiting for people to come on and whatever. And that takes two clicks uh to do. And and then that's it. Um, so yeah.
0: So I'm uh, just curious, when is the YouTube channel launching and similar topic to the mastermind or different?
1: Um, it's the goal is to launch it by the end of January. It's probably gonna be the beginning of February at this point. Um And it's on everything. If you could take Joe Rogan's podcast and and kind of smash it together with my friend Aubrey Marcus's podcast, that basically means every topic is on the table. um, But our goal is to go really deep. And we have really deep, vulnerable conversations with interesting, fascinating people um, about spirituality, about relationships, about health, about world events, about how to how to change the world about uh, you know what's 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 going on and and what we're going through um but everything's on the table but the goal is to go deep and so each episode's 2 to 3 hours long and um and and just designed to be as raw and real as possible
0: raw and real well you you you've been a delight to speak to i want to respect your time cuz you've already been over about 10 minutes and i certainly appreciate that I know everyone in the community has as well. So thank you for doing this. Uh, I've enjoyed meeting you. I'm hopeful there'll be many more opportunities for us. Thank you
1: so much, Bob. It was a pleasure. And uh, and Wayne, thank you as well, my friend. And I'm
0: here. And thank you so much. And we'll talk soon, I'm sure, Mike. Thank you.
1: Okay. Sounds great, everybody. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Take us out, Mark. Thank you.
0: Hey, everybody.